Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Tuesday's edition of the programme, John Paul, taking your calls, anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. Texting and our WhatsApp also available at 86 103. We have another competition uh, this week on the programme with daily prizes to give away. We hooked up this week with the McCroom Food Festival, which is running from September 19th through until the 22nd. It is a festival that is very much a family festival, full of fun and full of culinary delights right across the weekend. And every day this week, Monday to Thursday, we're giving away a a Folan gift pack which has new limited edition jams, marmalades and relishes. And then on Friday we have a super duper prize of an overnight stay for two people in the Castle Hotel in McCroom along with dinner on the night and then 11 taste trail tickets for the lucky winner to spend at the McCroom Food Festival. So every day this week we play an audio clip of an Irish chef doing a cooking segment with a word bleeped out and you have to try to work out what the missing word is. So I'll play it for you now with the bleeped out word. Just take a listen to it. I'll play it again a couple of times during the programme and then it's in the final hour. We'll let you know how you can ring in and possibly win today. So listen to this. Um, The sort of credit they're due actually, if they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. They're one of the best forms of protein. (laughs) That has me scratching my head, I have to say. That is, of course, uh, Jamie Oliver. We'll play it again later on. And you've got to try and work out what the bleeped out word uh, is for your chance to win a Folan. Folan's gift pack with the limited edition jams and marmalades and uh, relishes. And you can check out more on, if you want to find out more about the festival, there's so much on, you can go to the macroomfoodfestival.com. They've got a really, really good website if you want to check out some of the many, many events that are going to be happening in Macroom from the 19th through to the 22nd. 1850 333 Uh, John Paul, already taking your calls. I can really see texts coming into the programme, including one. Let's give this out as a word of warning to people, please. Heidi has been on to say, Morning Patricia, two donkeys are on the road out of Ballinine. That's the R586 road. They're en route to Dunmanway. The poor looking things. Poor things is how she phrases it. Uh, Obviously looking a bit lost. Uh, Somebody must be missing them. So you're missing two donkeys that could have ended up on the Ballinine 
Green Road en route to Dunmanway. Head out, please, and get them off that road because we don't want them them involved in an accident or, or still, we don't want them causing an accident uh, either. And actually, Heidi also raises a good issue that's worth mentioning to people. She's noticed when she was out driving that she spotted some cars and vans whose lights are not working properly. And she said it might be a good time of the year just to advise people and remind people you need to check your vehicle lights we're coming into the dark winter mornings and dark winter evenings and you need your lights to be working perfectly in order to save lives and to look after your own life as well. So it's a good good piece of advice, Heidi. Thank you for that. Check your lights, uh, please. Now, before we take a look at what's coming up on the programme this morning, I want to reference an email that I've received because I'd be interested to see are other people in the same situation or can anybody offer advice? This is in from William who has emailed us on behalf of a residence association that he is involved with in Bandham. And over the past few months, they've been trying to get the developers who built their housing estate to cut the grass in the estate. Now, they're also looking for them to put up signs to show the numbers of the estates as two estates because he's saying if, if you drive in, it's hard to work out if, you know, if you're looking for a particular numbered house because there's no signs saying, you know, house one to eight is down this road, house 10 to 19 is down this road and they want some kind of finger posts I imagine uh, erected but anyway that's a separate issue their main issue is to do with the cutting of the grass in both the states now they've contacted the developer on several occasions but the contractor is saying it's not his responsibility he's saying it's down to the council to cut the grass so what do they do they contacted Cork County Council. Cork County Council said, no, sorry, we've had no application to hand the estate over that needs to be logged by the developer. Uh, therefore, Cork County Council, their hands are tied. They say there's nothing that they can do. Now, William is also making the point that this developer sounds very busy in that they're about to finish off another housing estate and they have planning uh, for more houses. But they're just getting very frustrated that they seem to be ignored by the developer and the Cork County Council can't do anything about it. So I did a quick check yesterday just to see. Now, I don't know if this Act has been superseded by another piece of legislation, but certainly the Planning and Development Act of 2000 provides that where a housing development has been completed in accordance with the conditions of a planning permission and to the satisfaction of the local authority, the local authority must, if requested by the person carrying out the development, are by a majority of the residents take the estate in charge. Now it also goes on to say where the development has not been completed to the satisfaction of the local authority and no enforcement proceedings have been taken against the developer within seven years of the ending of the planning permission the estate then is taken into charge if requested by the majority of the residents. That's that seven year rule that whenever you talk about the estate being taken into charge by Cork County Council. But it seems the beginning part of that Planning and Development Act of 2000 states if it's requested by the developer are by a majority of the residents. So I'm wondering if the Residents Association can get enough of the residents to sign up. I don't exactly know how it's done but maybe if you go back to Cork County Council and say look if we if we request it the majority of the residents will you then take charge of the estate but it it also got me thinking that in the estate where I live in was under the charge of Cork County Council and for many many years Cork County Council did cut the grass it's just not a very big green space it's, it's in a kind of a horseshoe of 26 houses in total and you know there's the green area in the middle and the council were cutting it but then we got 
notice, well one household got, got a notice in from Cork County Council to say they were no longer going to be cutting our estate and it was up to us to do it ourselves. So, you know, little residents association was set up and we all pay in. It's once a year the collection is done and um, the money's used then and we have a contractor who comes in and cuts the grass. And I know at the time, that's about four or five years ago we started doing that. And I remember at the time when we started doing it, we were getting calls in from other areas saying that the council were refusing to cut the grass. Some estates didn't form residents association, were throwing it back on the council saying we're not going to cut the grass. I don't know if the council ever moved in in the end, but the estate looks very unkept if the grass isn't cut. So I don't know how many estates, private estates, when the council take them in charge, how many of them they actually cut the grass on? Because obviously they don't have the manpower. They don't have the same outdoor staff that they once had. And the council will say they don't have the funding either to cut all of these grasses. So I thought the onus was going back on the householders in the individual estate. So I'll give it out just to see. And in the meantime, we are on William's behalf going to get on to, it's in Bandon by the way is where he's emailing us from. We're going to get on to either a local council or get on to Cork County Council to find out what exactly is going on with the two particular estates that William is contacting us about. But when I saw the email, I said, oh, might be worth throwing that out there just to, just to find out from other estates across Cork County. Are many of the states... The, is the grass being cut by the council? Now, I know that they, the council continue to cut council-owned estates. But this, these are private estates is what we're looking at here. So if anybody can fill us in on what's happening there and advice for William as to what William can do. Uh, because I'm just fearful uh, if it's worth him going to all this effort and the other residents to go to all of the effort of getting the council to take it in charge specifically to get the grass cut or the council then go to say actually we don't cut grass anymore that maybe as a residence group they need to organise themselves get together and you know put a bit of money into the kitty and everybody every house chip in and get the grass cut hire a contract hire a grass cutting contractor to come in so many it's only in the summer months but get the grass cut because it does look very very unkept if an estate is left with the grass overgrown and I also think it's really unfair on on the children I think there's nothing better than to hear children at play on a fine summer's evening and the the peal of laughter and boys kicking a football around. There's just something lovely about smallies out on the green and you'll only get them out on the green if the grass has been cut. 1850 333 103. Your thoughts and comments welcomed, please. We're going to hear from the Irish Medical Organisation who are speaking up on behalf of family doctors who are, who are at the cold face of dealing with the hardship of patients and in the main elderly patients who are coming into their surgery on a regular basis in pain because they need to have some kind of a procedure. In the main, it's orthopaedics. It's maybe a hip operation or a knee operation. And these elderly people are absolutely crippled or riddled with arthritis and the pain of it is excruciating. They need to have an operation. They need to have an operation ASAP. But as we know, waiting lists for orthopaedics seems to grow year on year. Only yesterday we heard from a family who have set up a GoFundMe page. They're trying to fundraise to bring their dad, to get their dad into a private hospital in order to have a hip operation. And if he goes private, he can have an operation at the end of October 
and he doesn't have private health insurance to, so if he doesn't come up with the money he's on a waiting list and he could be waiting two years and the man is in agony and has been told could end up in a wheelchair so it's just and there's so many more stories like that I mean we highlighted that one yesterday because the family's gone to the length of setting up a GoFundMe page but what about the other families that are not in a position or won't go down that route of set up a GoFundMe page so it's the doctors then the patients are coming in you know maybe once a month maybe more than once a month saying the painkillers are no longer working they worked for a period of time they're not working now and then you also got to think with all the painkillers that somebody's taking that they'll bring on their own side effects and people will end up with stomach issues because they're taking too much pain relief and yet you can see why they need to take all of this pain relief so you would have to have sympathy for the GP so we'll speak with the Irish Medical Organisation as to what are the possible solutions to what is an ongoing uh, problem we're also going to speak with the HSE uh, today they are giving advice to women who become pregnant and the message that's gone out loud and clear is do not have any alcohol during pregnancy there's a kind of a anecdotal sort of a thing out there sure when you're pregnant sure one glass of wine won't do you any harm and you know didn't sure didn't I drink in pregnancy you'll constantly hear that from people and what about back in previous generations when they didn't know there was any link between drinking alcohol when you were pregnant and you know, people could say they, they, they didn't know there was any link between smoking when you were pregnant as well but anyway but you know what I mean there is that kind of a, a laissez-faire attitude and when it comes to alcohol in this country there is certainly our relationship with alcohol is very different to the relationship with alcohol in a lot of other countries so the message is going out loud and clear now to women who are and I suppose also tied in with the trying to get pregnant because you can be pregnant for a few weeks without realising you were pregnant and if you were drinking so I suppose particularly for those that are trying the message is going to be don't drink at all so we'll discuss that on the programme and then the more worrying topic of drugs and in particular cocaine we're going to take a look at that Um, after 11 o'clock this morning there is a cocaine boom in this country at the moment that's something we can't be proud of and it seems addiction counsellors are starting to see more and more young people who end up through their doors looking for help because they're addicted to drugs or to drugs and alcohol and when they you know sit them down and talk to them about how it all started how long they're taking drugs how long are they drinking uh, it seems a number of young people are saying that they started taking cocaine at 13 and when I saw this first in print, I was saying, that's a miss. Surely that's a misprint. They can't be 13 taking cocaine, but it's not. Now, you know, the obvious question is, where are they getting their hands on cocaine at 13? And even though people would say the price of drugs has come down because there's, you know, because it's a wash with drugs and there's so much drugs. But still, how does the 13 year old even have the money to be able to buy cocaine. It's just, it's boggling. Absolutely boggling. We're hearing about a fundraiser which is based on the hugely popular and one of my favourite TV shows. I'm a celebrity get me out of here. It's one of those programs. even when I mention it I start smiling. Absolutely love that programme. So it's a fundraiser and the proceeds are going to the Down Syndrome Centre in Cork so it's in aid of a really, really good, good fund. I'm very interested in speaking with one of the organisers because I'm dying to find out how you can take what is a very successful television programme 
and turn it into a fundraiser. I'm really interested in that. So we'll discuss that on the programme today. And then after half past 12, as always on a Tuesday, Joe Heffernan joins us. So a lot to get through. We're getting calls about no water in Ballangiri. Irish Water are carrying out works and that water should be restored by six o'clock today. And on the grass cutting and the email weighed in from William, uh, who's joint chair on behalf of two housing, new housing estates in the Bandon area. And they're having no luck with the developer. They're trying to get the developer to cut the grass. He's washing his hands of it, saying nothing to do with me. Go on to the council. Councillors saying nothing to do with us because they haven't, the estate hasn't been handed over. But then I was making the point do the council still cut grass in private housing estates? I don't think they do. Alma in Blarney says, We contribute to a residents' association every year. We pay 50 euro and somebody comes out and cuts the grass. We've been doing that since 1997. And as far as I'm aware, you're right, Patricia, the council don't cut the grass anymore. John in Mallow says, Are they that? badly off that they can't cut the grass themselves can they not come together as a group get a few lawnmowers out get them doing cut the grass themselves if they don't want to employ somebody to do it there are certain sectors of society who want everything done for them says John in Mallow to William in Bandon. And Norma in Glenmire says, I bought a house in a housing estate in 2006. We formed a residence association and actually all the residence association really does, says Norma, is get the grass cut. Every year we pay €40 Euro per household and a member of the association then organises a guide to come and cuts the grass in the estate and it's normally done three or four times a year during the summer, spring and summer period and that works uh, really well. Yeah, and if you if you also, as a residence group, you can get, there are some grants available as well if you're cutting grass yourself. I think you need to apply for it though uh, every year. But that does seem to be what is happening now. Most private estates, they organise themselves to have the grass uh, cut. And maybe William, that's the route William needs to go down rather than trying to harass the developer who looks like there's no way the developer is going to come back and cut the grass. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your call. We're going to take a break back hearing how doctors are trying to deal with patients who are coming in um, constantly in uh, pain all because they're waiting to see a consultant. C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, kids fun and entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. Yesterday we heard from a family so desperate to get their father out of pain. They've set up a GoFundMe page to cover the cost of his hip operation. Sadly, he's not alone as many older people are enduring long and painful delays on public waiting lists. The Irish Medical Organisation say family doctors are witnessing the hardship firsthand and joining me from the IMO is their president, Dr. Podrick McGarry. Good morning to you, Podrick. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome. Is it very difficult for GPs to have to face their patients who are in pain, knowing in their heart and soul that they're not going to be seen for at least two years before you can even get them in to see a consultant? It's totally deflating. You know, you see a patient who comes into you with symptoms, you know, quite clearly. They're distressed with pain. You examine them, you follow up with an X-ray and you find that they have significant arthritis in a hip or a knee or a shoulder. And then, you know, you're, you, you, at this stage, they're beyond what you can actually do. They obviously need some 
surgical intervention and then you start the process referring them to an orthopaedic clinic if that is the particular case. It doesn't necessarily have to be orthopaedics, it's, it's across the board. And you know in your heart and soul, you say, look, there's going to be a long waiting list here. Um, and you can see the deflation in the patient's face and you feel it yourself because you feel a little bit helpless. You're talking about probably two years to be seen and then probably for another couple of years to go onto a waiting list and or to, uh, for, to be listed for surgery. And I suppose especially in the elderly, uh, they're facing into this when they may have other medical conditions which cause them debilitation. Uh, you now are looking at a, maybe a painful process for which they're going to need medications. Medications which, if you offer them, may very well interact with other problems that they have. And gradually you see them becoming more desperate as they lose their independence, become more pain, and you get into a vicious circle. And then there's the process, of course, of getting the second letter, the third letter, the harder letter, and all of that uh, carry on to try and advance them in the waiting list. Uh, yeah, it's it's very frustrating for all concerned, but for the patient themselves, it has to be particularly difficult because, I mean, they're, they're looking at their independence ebbing away more and more uh, as they perhaps become more and more debilitated. And they're losing their quality of life totally. in, in, in their last number. I don't know how many years they've left, but their quality of life yeah. is just going downhill very quickly. Their quality of life is going downhill. And it's, and, you know, as I pointed out to Elisha Regan, the Irish Independent, they're hitting it at a time when two, three and four years is a huge proportion of the, the remainder of their life. I mean, two or three years when you're in your 30s, you know, is not such an issue. But when you're 70 plus, two, three, four years of pain is an enormous burden to have to, to um, face. And it's it's a very difficult situation, but <clears throat> I suppose we shouldn't be surprised because the I suppose the crux of the matter is that there are too few beds and there are too few consultants to carry out the job, carry out the work. Yeah, let's look at possible <coughs> solutions. I mean, it, it, that's one of the big ones, isn't it? It's the recruitment and well, retention. It has been estimated that there should be at least approximately one orthopaedic surgeon per 24,000 population. Okay. So that would estimate roughly what we would should have would be 202 orthopaedic surgeons in the country. How many do we have? Currently we have 99. Half that number? Yes. Wow. So I mean, if you if you have that number, they you, they can't possibly do the work of twice the thing. They themselves are facing the spectre of trying to decide who, who which of the very worst is the very worst, and also they have the problem whereby they don't have an adequate bed to put them into. So you know when you have that situation arising. It's a huge problem, and maybe one of the reasons why there is such a deficit in in surgeons or in, in medics across the board was that, unfortunately, in 2012, a decision was made to cut the salaries of consultants who uh, entered into the service after 2012 by 30 percent. And unfortunately, that has had uh, uh, an incredible uh, effect, where jobs which are heretofore um, considered to be like gold dust, uh, we're no longer getting applicants for it. As was predicted at the time. Totally predicted. The yeah. IMO clearly said this is what is going to be the consequence. You're going to you're going, you're going to fail to attract patients or uh, applicants into those jobs, and as such, 
patients are the ones that are going to suffer at the end of the day. And they yeah. are suffering they are in suffering. their in their droves. And it, <coughs> it, it is droves. it is orthopedics, is it poetry? Well, it's got the longest wait list. The board. I just I know I just picked orthopedics. Yeah. Board, because orthopedics, by and large, it's a condition where the elderly in such were are probably going to be most affected by it because as you get older, unfortunately, our population is aging. In two thousand and eight. Uh, one in ten of our population were uh, 65 plus, and after 65, unfortunately, that's where the wear and tear starts. Uh, by 2028, that's down to one in five. So it's gone from one in ten to one in five in that short space of time. And by the time 2040 comes, you're talking about one in four. So you're talking about a cohort of people who, um, by and by, just by by um, <clears throat> they just get sick, they get these degenerative conditions which need to be dealt with. So that's why I suppose I, I highlight orthopaedics in that rate. But it's across the board. It's not just in orthopaedics. In, it's in ENT, it's in dermatology, it's in psychiatry, it's in urology. I mean, in urology, <clears throat> which again affects uh, probably the older population, you need approximately one in 50,000, one surgeon for, uh, urologist for 50,000 patients. Um that would suggest that we should have about 97 and currently we have 32. Yeah, and anybody trying to get a neurology so appointment. you get a urology yeah. appointment for, this is for people who have prostate disease etc., yeah. and uh, bladder issues. You're talking about, again, waiting this going on and on and on. And, and as you said yourself and you pointed out, these are patients who are sick, they have multimorbidities, they may very well have respiratory, cardiac, renal you name it, all these conditions. And it very much limits perhaps the treatments that you can offer them because you offer the medications which interact with other problems, make their conditions worse. You're causing iatrogenic pain on top of the pain that they already have. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty miserable spectre for And, you know, bless their hearts, these are people, Patrick, who've worked hard all of their lives. Exactly. And, you know, they get into the autumn of their years and yeah. as a society, it feels like we can't look after them. It's just, you know. it's, I mean, we regularly here in, certainly in West Cork, there's a bus runs out of West Cork up to Belfast for people to get their cataract operations. I mean, we've heard and spoken to elderly people who were going blind on a waiting list. Correct. And just I suppose... At least with the cataract operation, you're somewhat more mobile. Yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that you may very well may not have great vision, but if you are uh, totally immobilized with a, a, a an, or, an arthritic knee or an arthritic, well, and it's the hip, pain. It's you, the you fact that you're in pain. Belfast is a huge yeah. ask, and anybody and yeah. a lot of people just are not fit for that type yeah. of thing. But it shouldn't get to that. No, absolutely, be, absolutely, you know, that, absolutely. That, that, and then, this, but just to end on a sort of a little bit of good news. Tell me about this new scheme coming in next year for patients over seventy-five with the medical card who'll be able to get a and is it a biannual <coughs> checkup? Um, what um, we have long in the IMO have long felt that a lot of the chronic disease that is out there needs to be done in some sort of structured care because that has been shown to have uh, a significant health benefit uh, in the Midlands Diabetic uh, Structured Care Programme, um, which has been running for 20 years. The cardiovascular risk has been dropped by 50% in patients who participate in this type of programme. And that is a massive uh, 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 feat uh, by any standards. And we felt that there are a lot of patients out there, especially people with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, COPD, asthma, 
that if we were able to offer them a structured care program twice a year where you saw a doctor and a nurse, you carried out certain tests and you got advice twice a year, you're hopefully slowing, uh, getting them at an earlier stage and hopefully uh, getting their conditions where under a control where they may not necessarily need to go into hospital. Now, there are always patients, like if you have a patient who is sick enough to require a hospital bed, they're not going to be able to look after in the in the in the community. But mm. for those who who are who are, we hopefully can reduce the uh, uh, admissions into hospital thereafter and look after their care better. And we've long thought after this, and we've entered an agreement with the Department of Health and HSE in April there, whereby we are able to offer this service. It probably won't come online until 2020, and the first cohort will be those over 75. There, After that, it'll be 65 to 75. The next year, it'll be 50 to 65. So gradually, you'll be going from 50 upwards. Uh, and uh, we've long sought this. Everybody knows it's the way to do it. International practices, evidence has shown that this is the best way to do it. And I am glad to say that the HSE Department of Health have taken that on board, have listened to us, and now have agreed to implement it. So, look, it's a bit of shed of light at the end of the tunnel, good. maybe. Good to hear. All right, listen, we leave it there, Paul. Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the programme. You're very welcome. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Dr. Podrick uh, McGarry, who is the Irish Medical Organisation uh, President. But I think you'd have to have sympathy for doctors who really, uh, and they know and they know these patients so well, they may have been their GP for many, many years and it, just, it must be really difficult to watch somebody in pain knowing that a procedure, an operation can sort it out and in your heart and soul knowing that this person that you're sitting opposite you is not going to be seen for at least two years and then when you get finally seen by the consultant you then have to go on another waiting list when the consultant says yes, your doctor is right, you do need an operation and then there's another waiting list to get through. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. C103 Anthems. C103 Anthems. Weekday mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Now, yesterday we heard that Irish women came third in the world ranking when it comes to drinking alcohol during pregnancy. The HSE has launched an awareness campaign to highlight the dangers of drinking alcohol while pregnant. And joining me from the HSC, Dr. Mary T. O'Mahony. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. You're very welcome. Now, this study covers 187 countries. Were you surprised to hear that we came third in the rankings? It's kind of the end of the ranking scale where you don't want to be. Yes, no, I wasn't surprised, Patricia, because I suppose we have long known that we have a high intake of alcohol as a population. And what they have found internationally is that the prevalence of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders in a population is directly related to the population's intake of alcohol as they measure it in kind of litres per capita per annum. And Ireland is up there, as you know, at over 11 litres per annum as one of the highest consumptions of alcohol internationally. So it's not a surprise from that point of view. This is a societal issue, really, more than a woman's issue. You know, because what you drink in pregnancy, the biggest influence on that is what you would have drank before you were pregnant. Talk to me about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and uh, because some people will be unaware of, of what well, the term means. Al- yeah, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders 
are a range of permanent irreversible birth defects that are caused by maternal consumption of alcohol during pregnancy. And I suppose people would have heard of fetal alcohol syndrome, yeah. but that's really only the tip of the iceberg. They say for each case of fetal alcohol syndrome, what they found internationally is that there are nine or ten cases of children that have one of the, we'll say, non-fetal alcohol syndrome, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And those children, they look perfectly normal at birth and their difficulties only manifest kind of in preschool or in early school years. So they have found the children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, they have, if you like, invisible characteristics. So they tend to have attention and memory deficits. They can be hyperactive. They can, some of them will have a normal IQ, but they have difficulty with abstract concepts. So they'll have difficulty in particular areas like in maths or in language. And they have poor problem solving skills. They tend to have difficulty learning from the consequences of their actions. And consequently, they show poor judgment, immature behavior. They have poor impulse control. You know, and they have difficult social uh, skills. Is so it a case that it's not always diagnosed, though? In a lot of cases, there it isn't diagnosed, and even we'll say when I when there would be publicity like that, I would have parents contacting me, and they may have adult children who have difficulties, and they would say to me that they they did drink during pregnancy and they didn't realise there could be this difficulty, but they're recognising within their own adult child, you know. The, but it must the be devastating, Mary, for a mother to be told that your child has a permanent disability and it was because of something that she did during pregnancy? Well, you know, it's due to the alcohol. And, you know, it's not the mother. I know, and it, it, I know. And it is very, very difficult for birth mothers, you know, and and, and that's a fact. But um, I suppose what we and the message we want to give out, really, is that, you know, that no, there's no amount of alcohol at any stage of pregnancy is safe for your baby. But, it, you know, it is a dose-related effect risk. So for those women who say who are pregnant now at the minute and who may be drinking, you know, even if they were to give up drinking and abstain for the rest of their pregnancy, they're limiting the dose and limiting the risk. Okay. And, and and society needs to change because we, you know, we've got this thing and, and families will be guilty of this, you know, giving conflicting advice. Asha, one drink will do you no harm. A glass of wine, didn't I drink when I was pregnant, you'll be fine. You know, we as a society and family members, everyone has a role to play here. I'd agree with you. Everybody has a role to play. And I suppose that's what we're trying to outline as well in this, we'll say in this information campaign, that if you are having hosting a social event in your home, that you would have non-alcoholic alternatives available as well as alcohol if you're going to serve it. And that any woman who declines an alcoholic drink, that she wouldn't, no pressure would be put on her to take the drink, or it wouldn't raise the question as to whether you're pregnant, because oh, women the do The famous feel one, the famous one. And it's so unfair on, on women. It is, and women feel pressure to drink in the early stages of pregnancy because they don't want, they're probably not ready to disclose that they are pregnant. Yeah. And we need to remove that, really, because this is a whole societal issue, you know, yeah, and yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, so, alcohol is just so prevalent in so our would society. So you, would you also, Mary, say to women listening who are considering getting pregnant or maybe are trying to get pregnant that they need to give up because you can be pregnant and in the early stages not even realise you're pregnant? That's right and in Ireland about 40% of our pregnancies would be unplanned so it's often the case that a woman is pregnant before she realises it and the recommendation is that if you are planning a pregnancy that ideally you would stop drinking at that stage and you know and then to abstain while you are pregnant. Yeah but the message is no amount of alcohol. 
That's the, that's the clear message, isn't it? That's the clear message because it is a dose-related risk. And they would say that it only takes 13 women to drink during pregnancy for one child with a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder to be born. And it only takes 67 women to drink during pregnancy for one child to be born with fetal alcohol syndrome, which is the more severe end of the spectrum. And I suppose that is an average risk. So like women who drink a lot during pregnancy, they'd be at a greater risk than that. And women who drink less would be at a lesser risk. But it is still a high risk. And there's no proven safe level of alcohol that you can drink during pregnancy. The brain continues to develop throughout the entire nine months of pregnancy. And as you know, the brain itself is particularly susceptible to, to alcohol. We've known for years that that alcohol affects the developing brain even throughout the teenage years and into the early 20s. So it's easy then to understand that the brain developing within the womb, which is a, a rapid um, period of growth and development, that that is susceptible to the effect of alcohol. Okay, and I know there's more information online at askaboutalcohol.ie. That's I.e., yes. Okay. All right, Mary, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is Mary T. O'Mahony, Dr. Mary T. O'Mahony, who joins us uh, from the uh, HSE. Actually, we've got some breaking news that there are several units of the fire service from Anglesey Street are currently working hard to contain a substantial house fire on the Douglas Road. Goodness me, Douglas again. And uh, traffic is very heavy in the area due to the house fire. Now, it's not currently clear if there was anyone in the house at the time that the fire broke out or at this stage how badly damaged the house is at the moment. But they are, uh, several units are battling hard to put that fire out. So avoid the Douglas area if you can, please because uh, traffic is starting to back up in that area and we'll have more on that story at news at uh, 11 and that's where we need to go. We'll head to the news room and coming up in the next hour we'll play our clip again of Jamie Oliver trying to work out what piece of uh, what ingredient have we bleeped out for, for our competition with the McCroom Food Festival and we're also going to talk about a boom a cocaine boom in this country and uh, unfortunately we're hearing that young children children, and they are children as young as 13 are starting to take cocaine 1850-333-103 Nick Richards weekday afternoons from 1 C103 I mean Cove today for the People's Regatta Victor you are a amazing balloon modeler thank you very much where do you learn to do amazing stuff like what you do now I always say is yes the result of years and years and years of unemployment I mean practice sorry how many balloons would you bring with you on a day there is a bag here with about 2,000 did you ever run out of balloons? Yes, sometimes I do, but I pretend really well that people don't realise that. Join me weekday afternoons from 1. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've got a competition for the McCroom Food Festival this week. Every day we're playing an audio clip of a chef doing a cooking segment with a word bleeped out. Here's today's. Um, the sort of credit they're due, actually. If they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. They're one of the best forms of protein. Now, I've just worked out what it is because the first time around I couldn't get it. OK, Jamie Alger is talking about something that, that's cheap, but they need to be cooked properly. What's the bleeped out word? Um, the sort of credit they're due, actually. If they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. They're one of the best forms of protein. Okay, and they're also the best form of protein. Hold your thought, please. 
hang on to it hang on to the answer because it's not until the next hour we'll tell you how you can ring um, in and enter and win what are we giving away a fallen gift pack which has new limited edition jams marmalades and relishes that is today's prize to celebrate Croom Food Festival which runs from September 19th through to the 22nd and then on Friday night we'll be giving an overnight stay for two people in the beautiful Castle Hotel in McCroom along with dinner on the night and you'll get Taste Trail tickets as well to use during the McCroom Food Festival which is always a fantastic festival and I know a lot of people really looking forward to it and actually just let me stay on McCroom for a moment because I had a lovely letter in from Bunny Savage who is the Secretary of the McCroom and District Lions Club and she writes to tell me that McCroom are this year once again privileged to have the Morriston Orpheus Male Voice Choir perform in St. Coleman's Church in McCroom on Sunday next the 15th of September with tickets on sale locally priced at €30. Euro. Now the Morriston Orpheus Male Voice Choir have been the leading male voice choir in Wales for many, many years and they've performed with distinction internationally. They last appeared in McCroom for five years ago now. It was in September, yes, September of 2014 and they performed yet again back in 2014 for the McCrooman District Lions Club and they managed on that night to make €14,000 when all the expenses were paid off McCroom and District Lions Club got €14,000 which was fantastic and it was a surplus that was distributed to McCroom Scouts and the special project at McCroom Golf Club so they're hoping again this is going to be a big big fundraiser for the McCroom and District Lions Club and you'll have a spectacular night out at the Morriston Orpheus Male Voice Choir. So mark that one in the diary for next Sunday night St. Coleman's Church in McCroom with tickets on sale locally priced at €30. Euro. We hope everybody has a wonderful, wonderful night out. Now, some of your calls coming in. Oh, we had an interesting call in when I was chatting with Doc Sir Podrick McGarry, who joins me, who joined me as president of the IMO, and he was talking about GPs and just highlighting how difficult it is for family doctors who have to, daily basis, I imagine, face elderly people who are coming in who are in need of, in the main, orthopaedic surgery, but it can be all different types of surgery. And they need referrals onto consultants and then after the consultants, they can get the referral, they need to have operations and the waiting lists are just, they seem to be just getting longer and longer. And of course, the patient is going back into the doctors, probably making phone calls to the doctor. The doctor's doing his very best. If your, fam- if your GP had the choice, they'd be giving you the operation tomorrow. But of course, they don't make those decisions. All they can do is write the letters, probably back it up with phone calls, but they can't bump you up the list in any way. You've just got to wait until your turn comes. But they are the ones then dealing with the patient deteriorating on a weekly and a monthly basis and it is very very difficult for doctors and I mentioned when I was chatting with Dr McGarry about the cross-border initiative and you know could he understand why people were going particularly out of West Cork uh, and though there's now buses running from other parts of Cork as well but it was it all started in West Cork the cataract bus or what other people refer to it as uh, Belfast Belfast or blind bus and the number of people that get on that bus and go. And we know there's also, bulk of them go for cataract operations, but they also go for orthopaedic surgery as well. But orthopaedics is just a little bit trickier. It's a longer journey for somebody with in, in a lot of pain. It can be quite difficult. Anyway, we chatted about that on the programme and then we got contacted by a group who are called Trasna. Now we're going to 
see if we can get them to join us on the programme. Maybe hopefully this week and do a follow up because I'm really interested in hearing more about this company. They're an Irish company and they help people use the EU entitlements because obviously to go up to Belfast, it's this cross-border initiative. You have to pay up front and then the idea is that the HSC refunds the money and they do refund the money. I know there's a bit of a delay on it, but you do get your money back. And certainly in West Cork and in other parts of Cork, the credit unions are great at organising bridging loans if people don't have the money. Anyway, this group, Trastna, have been helping people to go to places like Belfast for cataract uh, operations, but they've also been helping people to travel to other countries, France and Germany, anywhere across the uh, EU. They're based in Waterford and in Dublin, and you can find out more about them on www.trastna.com. T-R-A-S-N-A Trasna.com or they have a Waterford telephone number 051 349 Now they don't charge for their services their services is free to patients anyone who contacts them and is interested in going mainland Europe or to the United Kingdom I'm assuming you can go to as well or up to Belfast to have a procedure done of course the obvious question then John Paul says well if you don't charge how are you making money out of this and they get a fee from the hospital because obviously it's a private hospital so the private hospitals are delighted with all of the business that we're sending either up to Belfast or across to mainland uh, Europe they're, they're thrilled with it because they're getting paid so it's the hospital pay the fee so the patient doesn't pay anything and what they do is with Trastna they'll go through all of the different options and then they'll look after and manage the whole journey they do all the bookings and and all of that so we'll just we'll give it out there just to let people know that there are services like that available and as I say we're going to try and see if we can follow up with this group I would be interested in talking to them because I was unaware of that I mean the only ones I was aware of and we've certainly been directing people anyone who's contacted us to the it's mainly it's mainly public representatives isn't it that are organising buses to go from various parts of the county and when we get a call in from somebody we just send them to their local public representative who's organising a bus but there's an actual company uh, doing it great we'll find out a little bit more uh, about that now we've I've had a couple of calls in and the, it's both sides of the coin here on this one this is to do we've got All Ireland Football Final replay happening next Saturday and because of the schedule, the time of the match, it's on, is it at seven o'clock the match is on? I'm open to correction. I think it's seven o'clock. It's evening time anyway on Saturday. And because of that, it's going to clash with vigil masses. Because, you know, most of the vigil masses, maybe six, quarter past six, half six, quarter to seven, seven, that kind of time. So what have the good priests in Kerry decided to do? They're changing the time of the Saturday evening mass so that it doesn't clash with the All-Ireland replay against uh, Dublin. And the change, I'm told, is also going to allow people to pray for a successful outcome for the Kingdom. I wonder if they change in mass times in Dublin or is this only happening in uh, Kerry? Prayers b- before the match will do no harm at all. And the young Kerry players have inspired the county. That's a quote from Father Mossy Brick. And Father Ma- Mossy is parish priest at Castle Island. And he's one of several parishes that have decided to change the times of masses. And they're actually going to put on additional masses before the replay. But seemingly a directive was sent from the Bishop's House. The Bishop's House is in uh, Killarney last week telling parishes that they could change the times of the evening masses to facilitate the match if they wanted to. They were, nobody was forced to do it. But they, the Bishop said, look, I'm OK about it. Change the mass at uh, times. So Castle Island Parish Church 
they were first in. They said it's the calm before the storm. They actually put that up on posters inside of the church newsletter. The Church of St. Stephen and St. John will now have their evening vigil mass on Saturday. It's normally at quarter past six, but they're moving it back to five o'clock. So the people will have their praying done and be home. And Father Mossy, uh, who's known to have a huge interest in North Kerry hurling, said football is number one in Kerry and there's a bit of divine inspiration before the match will do no harm at all. And he said at 5pm, that's when their mass is on, there'll be a calm before the storm and a prayer. And then after, as he said, all hell will break loose in many, many houses across the kingdom. Uh, and he also spoke about the young Kerry players and what you know, great role models they are uh, for the young. And he, and I quote from Father Mossy Brick, he says, football is a religion at the moment, really, in uh, Kerry and he cited St Augustine who said to play at such an artistic level is to pray I never knew that there's a quote now from St Augustine he said it has revigorated a lot of us who are feeling old and crotchety and he said there's great excitement building across the county and St Agatha's Church where's that it's in Glenflesk and the Prince of Peace Church that's in Rossa near Killarney they've also brought their mass times back they're going to have mass at half past four on Saturday afternoon. I don't know what time their normal vigil mass is at. And St Mary's Cathedral, they're hosting an extra mass. They're having a half four mass, but they're continuing with their normal vigil mass at 6.15 because I suppose it's allowing for people uh, who are, even those very few people in Kerry, I take it, are not into the football. But don't you know there will be a few? Anyway, we got two different opinions on that news story of the churches in Kerry changing their masses to facilitate the staging of the All-Ireland Final. Billy says, well done to the Kerry churches for changing the mass, mass times. He thought it was terrific. He did add to his comment, up the kingdom. So we know who he's cheering for on Saturday. But Noreen wasn't happy. She thinks it's shocking that a mass time should be changed all for a game of football. She said, are we putting religion, are we putting sport above religion? And she is not happy at all about it and uh, said if it was in her parish she would be kicking up a great big fuss and she wonders how others feel about it and would others agree. Would you be with Noreen who says that the church are wrong? Mass time is mass time. Vigil mass is on quarter past six, seven o'clock on a Saturday night. It shouldn't change just because of the replay of the All-Ireland football final. Or would you be with Billy and Father Mossy Brick who says football is like a religion in Kerry at the moment and that it is the right thing to do. You're right to facilitate people so that they can go to Mass and then they can go home and watch the match as well. 1850 Interested in your thoughts on that, please. And on drinking during pregnancy, and this was the chat that we had in the last hour with Dr Mary T. O'Mahony of the HSC and the findings out saying absolutely no alcohol at all while you're pregnant. And, you know, I thought... I thought Mary put across some really good points, particularly about society and the way we view alcohol and everything we seem to do in this country seems to revolve around alcohol. And that's putting pressure on women who are pregnant, feeling that they have to drink or have to be perceived to be drinking, which is unfair and is wrong. So I think, you know, while the message is going out for women, if you're pregnant, please don't drink. I think as a society, we all need to buck up as well. Marie in Formoy says, I never drank during my pregnancy, but I am sure before I knew I was pregnant, I did have a few drinks because I didn't realise I was pregnant. Uh, I do know a few women that will admit that they drank glasses of wine when they were pregnant, but it didn't seem to make any difference in the outcome. I feel a lot of the problems are genetic 
and it come, they come from our ancestors when it comes to problems that we're seeing more and more uh, today. But saying that, I wouldn't encourage anyone to drink or indeed to smoke uh, while uh, pregnant. But yeah, and of course, it's the same, but it's the same with smoking. You can have, you'll have people smoking and, you know, you'll, you'll always hear the people of, oh, she was 95, she smoked all of her life and the cigarettes didn't kill her. She died from something else. It'll be the same with alcohol and people who decide to drink. You know, some might be lucky and get away with it and the baby will be perfect. But then what about the ones who are not so lucky? And, and we have a high number of children born with uh, fetal alcohol related syndromes. And, you know, I just think for a mother... You would go through such guilt if you knew it was something that that you did has caused this life altering um, on your child born with a disability that they'll have for life. It just must be really, really hard. I mean, I think women go through enough guilt as it is without putting that one on top of them as well. Anyway, and the message coming from the experts is no alcohol at all. But yes, Marie, there are loads of people uh, and I would absolutely hands up and say when I was pregnant, uh, I drank. We didn't, not a lot now, but you would have drank during pregnancy, but there were certainly no links. That we were, it would have been back in the early, very early 80s. There was no talk of uh, that you couldn't drink while you were pregnant. But now, as we're finding out more, we're being told, you know, alcohol is a real no-no when you are pregnant. Joan in Middleton says that one of the main reasons why women are more cautious now than previous generations is due to women having children later in life. Women are in their late 30s and their early 40s having children. And that with itself brings more problems with pregnancy so they have to be even more careful did I read somewhere is it 35 is now deemed a geriatric mother it's, I mean to see that in print but you know from a medical point of view I suppose we're designed to have babies earlier and younger but that doesn't suit modern women uh, today and people are getting married later and people are working and have careers and trying to buy houses and settling down and they don't have to be married to get married to, to have a baby by the way before somebody chirps in and say what do you mean they're getting married first they don't have to be married first of course but you know what I mean they're doing the couples are getting together later in life when they're deciding to have uh, children so Joan is right and, they, and therefore that brings with it its own medical complications for the mother and for the child so therefore yeah young mothers and I would still say a 35 year old is a young mother even if the medical terminology might be a geriatric mother and Michael says I feel pregnant women who may not want to tell people they are pressured they are the ones under huge pressure I was an alcoholic says Michael and when I was recovering I was just drinking minerals and the amount of people that would say you're not drinking Michael what's up what's wrong with you even though he probably didn't want to tell everyone I'm a recovering alcoholic and I'm trying to stay off the drink but yet he said if he put a bottle of non-alcoholic beer in his hand where well, people then thought he was drinking a beer nobody said anything to him it's the attitude of uh, people and he says people should not be afraid to socialise people should not be afraid to go out in bars and not drink and you shouldn't have to explain to anyone why you're drinking and not drinking how right you are Michael 1850 John Paul taking your calls if you want to text our uh, WhatsApp 086 2103103 and John in North Cork says change the mass times in Kerry go home watch the match come on the dubs that's some John in North Cork C103 jobs two month contract role wanted for an accounting specialist it's for work in an office in Bishopstown while a counter sales assistant is wanted that's for a heating and plumbing company at Murphy and O'Connor's top line store they are in Bantry Childminder wanted three days per week to look after two children two and a half year old and a 14 month old 
in their own home that's in Drumaham and plumbers are wanted for the refurbishment of a gym in Cork City you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 and a couple of people have been on sent a text saying that they love the song Anthony and uh, Liliana who are listening to us in Busy Kids in the Ennis Road in Limerick uh, really enjoyed it and then Breathe In Mala says oh, Patricia I'm in great form here I'm cleaning my kitchen at the moment I received a late birthday card from my sister and then you play Shallow oh my god oh, by the way I have no interest in the game the All-Ireland on Saturday but good on that parish priest uh, in Kerry to move the mass times. A bit more moving is needed though. Uh, by the way, up the kingdom, says Breda in uh, Mallow. And someone else says, changing the masses in Kerry. What a great idea and how open-minded of the bishop to direct the priests that they could change the mass times. I mean, the bishop said they didn't have to. What he said was he issued a directive saying that the, all of the priests of the parish could change the times of the evening mass to facilitate the match if that is what they wanted to do within their uh, parish. So this texter says that is a wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, idea. And anyway, says this texter, wouldn't the priests and the bishop, they probably want to see the match themselves as well. There is room for sport and religion. This is a fab idea and giving the sports fans a chance to do both, to go to Mass and then go home and watch the match. During Italia 90, soccer, during the World, it's the World Cup, Work time became flexible so that people could get home to see the match. Sorry now I'm showing my age here but rock on uh, Kerry showing up all the others and that's right if there's major matches like that I do remember that in Italian 90 people went in earlier in the morning because they were afternoon matches so they were able to get home for the match or able to get down to the local pub to watch the match so you, you are right we did we it has been done to facilitate other sports as well so why not change the math time in order to facilitate seeing the people at Kerry but I'm wondering and if anybody can find out if anybody has relatives in Dublin I wonder already the Dublin parishes because they're going to be in this very same dilemma and for people in Dublin it'll be even worse because they'd be able to go to the match they might want to you know get mass out of the way and I'm saying that in the nicest way and then go on to the match afterwards I wonder already the Dublin parishes if anybody has family living in Dublin who are in with their local parish and would be in with the no. Can you let us know if any of the Dublin parishes are actually changing their mass times to suit the All-Ireland? I certainly would be interested uh, in hearing from people there, uh, please. 1850-333-103. And another uh, caller has, or this is by text. Uh, somebody, is there a name on this text? There isn't to say, hi, I was shocked to see three outdoor workers cleaning the sides of the road up Pound Hill in Mill Street yesterday. And out of the three of them, only one was wearing a high-vis jacket. I tried ringing their supervisor, but I didn't get an, a- an answer. It's an accident waiting to happen. And it's not the first time this has happened, according to this texture. The men before, this would have been the council workers of olden times, would always have worn a high-vis jacket. There was a law stating that if they went out to do any kind of work on the side of the road, that they would have to wear a high-vis jacket. This texture wonders, has that law changed whereby if you're doing work you must have a high-vis jacket. Now I don't know if these are 
council workers or not because this texture has put false workers I mean we don't have false workers anymore There's, it's C scheme is it is that is that what they are okay so does anybody know when you're because certainly when the council go out to do any work on the side of the road there is so many rules and regulations so many people have to attend, you know, to stop the traffic one way, have somebody at the other side monitoring the traffic and all the cones have to go out and all the signage has to go out. And there's so much rules and regulations uh, about it. And it probably also includes uh, high-vis vests. But I don't know if there's any specific rules. If somebody's out doing some kind of work, clearing up the side of the sides of the road, clearing the dishes. And can I say to whoever those three lads, men were, I don't know who they are, who exactly they're working with, well done. How often are we hearing from people that we need to get the men out there with the shovels cleaning the sides of the roads and cleaning up so whoever they are, well done. But what are the rules and regulations? Because would, would, would it also govern tidy towns groups? You know, the amount of, and their volunteers, let's be honest, who go out and they're cleaning up. They're on the side of the road cleaning up. Do they all, by law, is there a ruling that they must wear under health and safety? You would assume that a high-vis vest must be worn at all times. But according to this listener, and not saying not the first time it's happened, that of three men working on the side of the road in Mill Street yesterday, only one had a high-vis vest on. Can anybody explain that and why and how that could actually happen? 1850-333-103. John Paul is taking your call you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to uh, 0862-103-103. And a quick mention, because this was an email that came in asking me to advertise Vintage Car and Tractor Run. It's a fundraiser for Liss Gorham Autism Unit. That's the Liscarrel National School. And it's on on the 22nd of September, the Vintage Car and Tractor Run. They're hoping people will register at 10 a.m. in the morning and then the cars and the tractors will be departing at 12 noon on a scenic route and then returning to the school. It's about half past one. Everyone should be back safe and sound where teas and refreshments will be served. Uh, your support would be, would be gratefully appreciated. That's Vintage Car Tractor Run in aid of the Liscarum Autism Unit, Liscarrel National School. Mark that in your diary if you are a vintage car enthusiast or you have a tractor and you'd like to take part, part September the 22nd with the run getting underway at 12 noon. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. And we mentioned uh, just there before news at 11 that firefighters are several units of the fire service from Anglesey Street are currently uh, working hard to contain a substantial fire at a house on the Douglas Road. Well, because of that, Boss Aaron have been on to advise customers that due to that fire on the Douglas Road, the Cork routes, the 223, the 207, the 216 and the 220 are currently being diverted from Douglas Road uh, via the South Douglas Road instead. And they apologise for any inconvenience 
it's caused and actually we've Irish Water also on with apologies they are working on pump repair works and it's affecting supply to Fremont, Jemina, Liscar, Newtown, Shandam and the surrounding areas and the crews are working to restore supply as soon as uh, possible. So that's Fremont, Jemina, Liscar, Newtown, Shandam, surrounding areas. Uh, you're having problems with your water at the moment. That is the reason. Now, a unique fundraising event will take place at the Rochestown Park Hotel at the start of October. And it's in aid of the Down Syndrome Centre in Cork. To talk about the event, which is based, based on the highly popular TV programme, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I'm joined by Keen Desmond, who is one of the organisers. Good morning, Keen. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you, me on. Well, you, you're very welcome. I'm a huge fan of this TV show, and I'm intrigued as to how you're going to turn it into a fundraising night. <laughs> Tell me all. Well, basically, Patricia, what we're doing is we're turning the Roach Sound Park Hotel into a jungle. Uh, for the night of the 4th of October. Uh, we'll be starting about 8pm and running right through to 11 o'clock. And there's going to be fern trees and um, critters and snakes and uh, all the different things that you'd see on the show to create this kind of jungle atmosphere in the, the ballroom of the Rochestown Park Hotel for the night. Uh, it's actually the first time the fundraiser has been uh, held in Cork and look the way it's going it might be the last, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how it turns out in the Rochestown Park Hotel. But no, honestly, they're, they've been really supportive down there. Uh, we're dealing with a man called uh, Steve Cox, and he's a real gentleman and very, very, been very supportive of what we're, we're trying to do here. Well done, and it's Steve. looking like it's going to be a fantastic night. So it's two. You, you're you're pitching two teams. Is it a team against exactly you? a red team and a blue team? Um, so 24 contestants in total who are bought into the jungle for the night, and it's the same format as the uh, as the the game, the TV show. Um, so there'd be Bush Tucker. Bush Tucker trials and everything else that goes along with us. Uh, so really putting the, the contestants through their paces and the audience will have the opportunity to vote on who gets to stay and leave the jungle. And by the end of the night, then we'll uh, elect uh, king or queen of the jungle. Oh, it'll actually go, you're, you're going right the way down to the end with oh, somebody getting... Oh, we're going getting... all the way through. It's going to be a great night, three hours um, in total. And, you know, it's like we've got all the the snakes and uh, the different critters and there'll be all the different bush tucker trolls going on. Real uh, real snakes? Yeah, real snakes, yeah. that's uh, They're all provided by uh, different providers around the country. And then So you'll have, you have well, people yeah. putting their hands into things not knowing what's inside in it? And it oh, yeah. Exactly. Digging out the stars and the keys and uh, going into the glass boxes with snakes being dumped on top of you and oh. one of your colleagues be running around trying to find keys to get you out of the box. It's going to be a, going to be a very exciting night. Now, the, I think the worst of all of the bush chucker trials are the ones where you ask people to eat stuff. Oh, you're, yeah. you're not going to do that, are oh, you? Oh, we are, of course. Oh, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a full-on exciting night for the, for the three hours. And what the beauty of it as well is that we're going to have a close-up cameraman uh, with big screens behind the stage so you'll be able to see uh, people's distress when they're inside in the tank um, so we get right right up close and see what's going on. Now how do you get volunteers to take part? We are blessed with amazing parents and uh, mer- amazing family members in the centre so we've got 24 contestants in total and the majority of them are friends of parents or parents themselves that are involved in the centre and that have just, you know, I suppose put on the jersey and gone out there to represent the centre and dragged in uh, different fundraising uh, from their friends and from businesses around Cork. Um, So, yeah, so it's primarily um, friends 
and parents of the centre, but then also we're lucky to have Seamus Hernady, uh, the captain of the Cork Senior Hurling team. He's going to be leading the red team on the night. Okay, he's uh, your celebrity. Yeah, he's our celeb, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, as I said, it's mostly um, friends and family of yeah. the centre that are involved in it. And do, they, do they, they willingly have to agree to do it? I mean, oh, they, my God, is, we are turning people away. Turning people away. We're, yeah. we're laughing at this, and it would be fantastic for the people going along to watch it. I mean, it... This is going to be tough on the contestants. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be fun. Um, you know, there'll be screams and laughter and tears, perhaps, uh, but it's going to be a very, very fun night out. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward to it, especially uh, getting that close-up cameraman down when Seamus Harden and is in the in the tank with the snakes. It'll be interesting. Dare, <laughs> dare I ask, are you a contestant yourself? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got stuck with doing the uh, the radio interviews. Uh, the other guys have to go in the tanks with the. Uh, and the that's snakes. your excuse, <laughs> and you are sticking to it. That's it, exactly. You're yeah. dead right. Now, tell me a little bit about the Down Syndrome um, Centre, Kian. It's based in Fort Hill in Cork. It was founded in 2017. For those unaware of the centre tell me about it yeah that's it so we've just been going for about three years now and based up on Forge Hill and the whole idea with the centre is to create a home away from home for families that have got a recent diagnosis of Down syndrome um, with one of their children and what we do is we provide three main services there's diagnosis support so it's very difficult when you get this uh, initial uh, diagnosis because you know it's basically there's a lot of uh, unknown terms that are being thrown around so just to kind of explain all those and uh, tell people what the what the options are and uh, then an important part of the work that we do as well is to build a community so having these fantastic fundraisers also uh, nights out for siblings and just to generate a community both for the parents themselves and for their children so that they've got a, a network as they're, they're growing up. And then I suppose the most important thing that we do is to provide intervention services. Uh, so uh, for kids with DS, uh, it's very important that they get these early intervention services in terms of occupational therapy and speech and language therapy and also physiotherapy, just to give them the best start in life and uh, kind of push them along. And we know what waiting lists are like for people this, trying to go exactly to the public system. Patricia, yeah. So that's why the centre was set up, because... The early intervention at a very early age, and I'm talking kids six months going up there getting early intervention, is absolutely vital. And there's a lack of services in Cork. So the centre was set up about three years ago by some amazing parents. And at the moment, we're supporting 60 different kids around the Cork area, providing them these vital early interventions and giving them a great start. And I suppose but the best way to talk about it really is my own story. Um, so my daughter Freya was born three years ago. And, you know, about 10 minutes after she was born, uh, we got the feeling that, you know, something wasn't 100% right. And then very soon after that, we were introduced to this whole new language. Uh, so, you know, the doctors and the nurses were talking about tone and features and learning difficulties. And it's just very scary because it's, it's just unknown, you know, and mm. if you don't understand something, it's scary. And really the first ray of hope that we got was down in uh, the neonatal ward. And one of the nursery nurses down there said, look, lads, don't worry about it. Head up to Forge Hill and they'll sort you out. Ah, and that's that what fantastic? we did. It was brilliant. And look, we just went because up, up to... Up to up, was, was, is Freya your first child, your second child? Or? Third, or second child, sorry. Second child. Uh, we set our third one there, um, was it, 12 weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah. And and up to Freya's, uh, Freya's birth, uh, Kian, did you know much about Down syndrome? No, nothing. And that's it. Because when, when she was born, it was a, it was a bombshell, you know, and like it was... Really, it was really scary, but really 
it's ignorance, you know, because I knew nothing about it. I'd never researched it. I, I didn't know uh, what kids with DS were capable of and what their limitations were. It was just a complete unknown area to me. Um, so, like, I'd, I'd love to go back and, like, shake myself I know, <laughs> when I, know. I got that diagnosis and say, listen, it's going to be fine, you know. Um, but could you imagine if four children in the Down Syndrome Centre hadn't been there and because and it wasn't there before for others? Well, I, I can't, to be honest, Patricia, you know, you, I suppose you can only talk about your own experience and we've just been blessed. Um, so the day we went up there, um, so one of the one of the difficult things when you have a, a, a kid with DS is that your kind of experience of your newborn child becomes medicalised. Yeah. So, you know, usually when you have a newborn baby, you know, you're taking them home and it's all cuddles and nappy changes and um, all this. But when you have a kid with DS, just those early um, few days even, there's quite a lot of uh, medical investigation. So the, the whole process became very medicalised just for the first couple of weeks. Um, but the beauty of the Down Syndrome Centre is that it's just a home away from home. You just go up there and it's uh, other parents that have gone through the same process. And, you know, they just created a lovely, homely atmosphere up there where you can talk to people that have been through the same journey. And is that important, Keen? that bonding and that relationship you develop with other families who are further down the road to where you are at that time? That's it, exactly. That's the, so the, so the three main things that we're doing is diagnosis support for new parents, building a community and providing the interventions. So the community aspect of that is key. And how is Freya today? She's fantastic. She? Uh, so one of the courses that they run up in the Down Syndrome Centre is called SKIP. It's a special kids intervention programme. Okay. And what that does, it's a weekly course that they run for um, kids with DS. And what it does is it does this whole kind of simulated classroom environment. So from the age of kind of 12 months, really, they're going up there. They're lying up outside the classroom. They're going in. They're hanging up their coats. They're sitting down in circle time. They're opening their lunch boxes. They're eating their lunch. They're paying attention. So it's this kind of simulated classroom environment to get them used to the whole idea of going to school. And then the kind of... The classes that they're doing within that classroom are all these different uh, occupational therapy, physiotherapy, speech and language therapy. So it's kind of like a, it's attacking both angles, getting them ready for school and also providing this uh, key intervention that's required. And just last week, we brought my daughter up to um, uh, mainstream uh, play school, oh, sorry, yeah, preschool, sorry, up yeah. in Ballygarvan. And we were just so proud of her. She, uh, she had her bag on her back. And she ran up the ramp into the play school and straight in the door, not a bother oh, on her. Wow. And uh, we were just so, so proud of her. And uh, that's because of the intervention of the Down Syndrome Centre? 100%, yeah. without a doubt. So I went down to give her a hug. You know, myself and my wife were quite emotional, obviously, yeah. seeing her little girl going away to school for the first day. And I went down to give her a hug and she pushed me away. <laughs> she was just like, oh. she was, it was almost like, what's wrong with yeah, you, Dad? Be gone. This yeah, is it was like, what's wrong <laughs> with you, Dad? I'm, I'm used to this, you know. This and is my space now. Isn't that great? Exactly. And I mean, all, I mean all, all children are a great blessing, and, and uh, but it sounds like, Freya, I imagine, has brought extra special joy to your entire family. It, 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 it extends out, doesn't it? There's a ripple effect. Yeah, it's just the, the emotional intelligence that kids with Down syndrome have is just staggering. Yeah. And just the, the joy has brought into our lives, you know. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah. fantastic. It's yeah. fa- and, you know, we're so lucky to have this centre in Cork. Does it receive any state funding, Ian? No, and that's the key thing. That's why we're doing this uh, big fundraiser. Uh, we receive no state funding. Every penny that we have to run the centre comes from the generosity of uh, 
individuals and businesses around the Cork area. And it was important to mention as well that you know we run uh, a very tight ship. Uh, all well, most of the money that's going into the centre goes straight to subsidising interventions for the kids. Well done. Um, so the way that we're phrasing it really is the tickets for this event are twenty five euro per person, but that twenty five euro is going to pay for a one hour intervention session for one of the kids that we have up in the centre, be it an occupational therapy, speech and language, skip or physio. So, you know, if you come along in the night, as well as having a fantastic night out and getting to see uh, people eating and doing disgusting things, you're actually making a tangible impact on yeah. these kids' lives. Yeah, well done, well done. And it's tough because, as you say, even 60 children is an amazing number are, are benefiting, but you're relying on those people then to keep the fundraising going. And I always say to people, you know, obviously when Down syndrome touches your life, people get involved in, in all kinds of fundraising, but you never know when you are a family member will need the services in the future of the Down Syndrome Centre and you know that's why it so needs to be uh, supported it's just on a personal level it's shocking that it's not state funded it's just it's just shocking but that's an argument and a discussion for a different day you're doing wonderful work up there guys continue good luck and best of luck with your I'm a Celebrity where are the tickets on sale? Yep so there's two options Uh, the first option is to go along to the centre itself um, so between 9 and 12.30 every day, uh, we've got a receptionist on the desk there, Una. So it's on Forge Hill near uh, Dwyer's Electrical. And you can just go in and buy the ticket at the desk. If you don't fancy a trip up to Forge Hill, you can go on to Eventbrite. Uh, so we have a, set, uh, sorry, a site set up on Eventbrite. It's celeb.eventbrite.ie, C-E-L-E-B dot eventbrite.ie And if any of those options aren't working for you, just email us at uh, fundraising at dsccork.ie We'll get tickets OK it's, and it's Rochetown Park it's on Friday the 4th of October Best uh, of luck to mention one last thing Patricia yeah. if I may uh, we've had fantastic support from businesses small and large throughout the Cork area but we're still looking for a main event sponsor okay. so if there's a company that would like to come in to be the main event sponsor that's attached to this uh, fantastic event that we're running uh, please get in touch either through yourselves or through the um, to the fundraising at dsccork.ie email okay. address all right, good luck with it, Keen. Thanks very much. And thanks for really joining us. Bye bye. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. There's somebody listening to our fundraiser that we were talking about for the Down Syndrome Centre in Cork saying, How lucky is Freya to have such a caring father? Uh, Keen Desmond, who joined us. Yeah, lovely, lovely man. Uh, I've always found that, though, the parents of the mums and the dads of uh, special needs uh, children, they're just, there's something very unique and special about them as well. And they're like superheroes. They really are fantastic. But yeah, he came across as such a lovely, uh, caring man. And best of luck to that fundraiser in the Rochester Park for the Down Syndrome Centre in Cork. Uh, 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We've got a competition next hour. Going to find a winner for the McCroom Food uh, Festival. And we'll also uh, chat with Joe Heflin and catch up with your calls. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. 
M by text saying, Hi Patricia, just like to congratulate Kean Desmond, who you interviewed just before News at 12, on a fantastic interview on C103 advertising that fundraiser. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here for the Down Syndrome uh, Centre in Cork. And the lovely way he spoke about this centre and Down Syndrome in general. Well done to him and all involved in the fundraiser, says somebody who simply signs themselves as M. Isn't that lovely? Thank you. Yeah, Keen was lovely. And just wonderful the way he spoke about his little girl, uh, Freya, his uh, lovely, lovely man. And it's, they do incredible work. The Down Syndrome Centre in Cork in Fortchill does absolutely incredible work. And long may they continue. And they can only continue by having fundraisers like this I'm a Celebrity that's going on in the Rochestown Park on Friday the 4th of October and they have to continuously fundraise because they don't get any state aid uh, at all. And actually talking of charities, uh, another charity that people will will be well known uh, to people because it's been running now uh, for many, many years and it's the Share a Dream Foundation. You know, they're, they're the group that give wishes to children, it's in the main, it's children who have a life-threatening illness. It's usually terminally ill uh, children and they organise dreams for the child and for the family and it's, you know for the for the rest of the family it gives them after they've lost the, the, their child is no longer with them it just gives them great memories and you know it can be a wonderful day out where if it's a day out or whatever it is that the child wants to do they can just forget about their illness for that period of time and they can have their whatever dream it is and it's a wonderful organisation to say it's been going for uh, many many uh, years actually been going since 1989 I'm told goodness me it's, it's that long 40 years um, going uh, so I was saddened and shocked and disgusted, I think, to see that their premises was broken into in Limerick. It was burgled and robbed by a three-man gang, a bunch of thugs. They smashed their way into the building. They stole the cash register. And there was also this giant glass globe which was filled with donated money. You know, you'll see those, usually at airports actually, don't you? You see those glass globes and people can put their money into it. They had one of those in the building. It's a building called Dreamland which they opened a few years ago in Limerick and the idea behind it was they were able to run run events there you know like at Christmas they can have Santa Claus there for you know for sick children and they can do school visits as well and you know that they can have little parties and, and whatever and I suppose they use the centre part of their fundraising as well but it was last week the staff came in the following morning to see what had happened now there was CCTV on the premises and basically these guys were well prepared they were wearing white boiler suits and their faces were covered they even had gloves uh, on they tried initially to just to get in by you know pushing in the front door they couldn't they obviously good security on so they drove the car into the front door and then got an axe out and smashed their way through the front glass entrance so on top of stealing the cash register and stealing the globe the amount of damage that they have done and this is from a charity now that will have to go out and fundraise to replace the damage done to the door replace the money that was taken and they reckon a couple of grand it's going to cost them and there was they reckon there was probably about a thousand in the globe there was more money inside in the till and like a lot of other charities they're struggling as well it's a very very competitive market out there for uh, charities so they're going to have to fund the repairs to the building it's just awful 
awful to think and it it will stop them obviously having you know some dream that they're probably working on for, for a child they're going to have to work all the harder now to get the extra money and shame on them you just but you kind of think you know you go into a building and seemingly the building is full of photographs of those terminally ill children and children with life threatening illnesses you know their pictures are all over the building as they attend their various dreams I mean you, you, wouldn't you think that one of these thugs would have some kind of a heart that they'd see the photograph and realise where they had just broken uh, into you just you know wouldn't you just hope that karma will get them one day it's just shocking really really shocking okay 18 thank you by the way <laughs> sorry I went off and around there thank you to, to the to the M whoever M is uh, for highlighting how well Keane did in his interview he did he was great uh, 1850 the listener who was on to us I don't know if it was a man or a woman who was on about the workers on the side of the road in Mill Street who three of them working clearing the side of the road they, only one had a high vis vest on and they, they said shocked to see false workers I was saying oh, I don't know they're probably C scheme and that person's back saying yes they are CE workers and I see more of the same story I don't know what you mean by that but anyway this person is giving out saying it's an accident waiting to happen this person actually tried to report them to their supervisor saying that they were out there only one of the three had tied his jackets on and saying is they're not rules and regulations and laws stating that if you're going to be out working on the side of the road that you must have a high-vis vest on. Um, Sandy says, Patricia, it's in either Aldi or Little, unsure, one of the German retailers in the warehouses there, they, they, green, yellow jackets are not worn. I don't know why. Also, the flashing yellow beacons are known to trigger epileptic fits. So what is ideally regarded as a safety measure for some may not be good for all. And by the way, shouldn't that person be praising the work of those three men the workers that were out yesterday doing their work and not criticising the lack of yellow high-vis vests while working hard and maybe even sweating. Should we not just praise these people? And I did say that, Sandy, earlier if you were listening to me because we constantly hear and we hear people bemoan the fact that we used to have the man with the shovel and the council man with the shovel and they were out cleaning the dikes and they were out cleaning the sides of the roads and the verges and the hedgeways and they kept them well maintained and where are they? And now suddenly when we get three men out doing their bit we have somebody on criticising them because they didn't have a high-vis vest but in defence of the person doing the criticism maybe they're afraid because they did say it's an accident waiting to happen maybe they're afraid for the three guys' safety that someone could come around a bend and knock them down if they didn't have a high-vis vest on but would that protect them from being knocked down? I don't know. 1850 And hi, Patricia. I can't believe the woman is complaining about the Kerry priests moving the mass time to accommodate the match, the All-Ireland replay, the football final on Saturday evening. We are trying to encourage as many people as possible to attend mass. What does she want? People to attend mass or to stay at home and watch the match instead? Fair play to the Bishop of Kerry and to the priests who have made what I think is a fantastic decision. Sport in general is so good for all, for young and for old people. That woman who was at Noreen, she needs to get real. (laughs) And actually when Father Mossy Brick, who's one of the first priests to jump in and said, we'll change the mass time. He's in Castle Island Parish. He was the one who cited St. Augustine, who said to play at such an artistic level is to pray. So there you go. So there is some religion attached uh, to a sport. Anyway, 
enough to be doing without complaining about the priests of uh, Kerry they're dead right to be doing what they're doing seems to be the general consensus okay are we ready to do this will we do it by text I'll do it by text. I will. I'll do it by text today. Okay. Competition time. This is the McCroom Food Festival running from September the 19th to the 22nd. We are missing an ingredient from Jamie Oliver. We want the answers by text, okay? Or by WhatsApp. Take a listen. Um, The sort of credit they're due, actually. If they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. They're one of the best forms of protein. Okay, there is a word missing from that recipe with Jamie Oliver. If you know what the word is, we want you to text the word along with your name and address, please. That's important to 0862 103 103. You don't have to put your your number on it because your number will come up with the text. So just the answer along with your name and address to 0862 103 103. What's the missing word? Um, The sort of credit they're due, actually. If they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. One of the best forms of protein. So, well, cheap, best forms of protein, and they need to be cooked beautifully, says uh, Jamie Oliver. What is the ingredient they were missing out? And we are giving away today a Folan's gift pack, which will have new limited edition jams, marmalades, and relishes. We'll put all of the correct names into a hat. We'll leave the text message open for about 10 minutes and then we'll draw the winner and somebody will win the Phelan gift pack for today. And we'll do that again tomorrow, Wednesday and on Thursday. Same format for the competition, building up to Friday when we'll have an overnight stay for two people in the Castle Hotel in McCroom with dinner on the night. And they're also going to hand in some taste trail tickets that you can spend during the festival. But text only today, please, with your answer to 0862. 103103. Let me play it again. Um, the sort of credit they're due, actually, if they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. They're one of the best forms of protein. Okay, and Sean by text, by WhatsApp to 086 2103 103 says, Hi, Patricia. Do you ever go to the ploughing championships? If not, you should go. You'd be amazed with the variety of stands there. John Paul could mind the house for you for one day, says uh, Sean. I have been ploughing. Whenever the ploughing was local, when it was in Castletown Roach, we actually brought the show out there. We did an outside broadcast and we also did the same when it was in Mogili. Another year, two years it was in Mogili and we, we broadcast live from it. And you know something, it was probably the best day out because I'd never been ploughing before until, I won't say I was forced to go, but when, I, when we did the show from an outside broadcast, I had to go for the first time. I mean, I remember the first one would have been the one in Cass, just outside of Castletown Road. I had to go up and buy Wellingtons. I didn't have a pair of Wellingtons. And if I search my shed somewhere, I think that pair of Wellingtons still exists. It's still there. Uh, somewhere but it is a great day out and it is the variety of stands I mean you literally because you go there for a day out and you literally will spend the whole day out walking around it's almost like a little village there is so much to see and do it is terrific it normally is wet it normally is is mucky but if you've never been before I yeah I'd be with you Sean I would be advising anyone to go along it is a terrific day out The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities sir Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they're holding donor clinics. It's in abandoned GAA Pavilion. They're there today 
five until half past eight this evening and then they'll be there again tomorrow three to five in the afternoon tomorrow and seven to nine tomorrow night uh, today is World Suicide Awareness Day and people are invited to remember your friends and loved ones in Charleville Town Park this evening the meeting is at the Tree of Hope at half past six followed by some poetry reading at the Library Plaza at seven and finishing with music and refreshments. Fridge magnets and key rings with the all-important contact numbers for the Samaritans and Pieta House will also be available. And a lift is wanted to Limerick Monday to Friday to be in Raheen in Limerick for 8.15am. person is willing to share expenses. Can you help? If so, can you call 85 1418390 and an open morning to provide information on level 4 QQI early childhood education and training uh, is happening tomorrow Wednesday in Skibbereen Further Education and Training Centre. It's from 10am until 12 noon and inquiries please to Evelyn at 086 7807825 And actually when we're looking for that lift to uh, Limerick, Martina in Glamworth has been on to us this morning. She's a student in from the Kilworth area and she's starting college in Mallow tomorrow and she's looking for a lift to get her from Kilworth to Mallow. If anybody travels in that area, I'm assuming as a student, she needs to be in Mallow for nine o'clock. If anybody can help, we have Martina's contact details. That's a lift wanted from the Kilworth area for students starting in college in Mallow tomorrow. C103 presents the McCroom Food Festival from September 19th to 22nd. Enjoy comedy capers at the Castle Hotel Thursday night. Take a tour of McCroom Buffalo Farm Friday morning. There's a tea time swing dance on Friday night. Don't miss the Kids Zone, the McCroom Taste Trail, a busking competition and live music by Hot Guitars. Sunday sees the Monster Outdoor Market, kids fun and entertainment. The McCroom Food Festival, September 19th to 22nd. With C103. And did anybody see the ad in the Southern Star last week? I'm told now it's getting some traction on Twitter today. It was an ad that appeared in the social and personal section of the Southern Star uh, newspaper. And the ad reads, Farmer 60s, attached, very unhappy, used as a doormat, interested in horses, Seeks nice lady, and then in brackets, in similar situation, strict confidence, West Cork, and then it's replied to a PO box number, obviously that's attached to the Southern Star. Isn't that incredible? And we would regularly, and actually only this morning I got another text in from a lady, but we I, we get so many of them, I'd be a dating agency if I was to try to hook everybody up. But we had somebody this morning, a lady who's also in her 60s in the North Cork area, who was looking for a gentleman for social dancing and a relationship and must be uh, genuine. So I don't know if, if that lady is still listening, if she wants to make contact with the Southern Star and see if this man in his 60s who is seeking a nice lady but there's there's something sad isn't there about that the the fact that he's still attached so he's still with the wife the fact that he's attached there's a bit of a problem there but he is very unhappy and he's been used as a doormat God help him my heart goes out to him straight away I, I mean I want to extend the hand of friendship and, and make sure I'd love him to meet somebody nice and new but I mean if he's to do that he's to make a decision about the the unhappy wife that he's with who's using him as a doormat he needs to do something about that I think before he starts looking for the lady in a similar situation because if she's in a similar situation and she's still attached that could be a nightmare 
situation. I think a lot needs to happen before you get to the stage of meeting somebody nice. I'd love him to meet somebody nice. I, I really would. And maybe this is the, this is his first step in the right uh, direction. And obviously I'll check with John Paul because I don't have a copy of the Southern Star. Do they do a lot of those ads in the Southern Star, John Paul? Because I just saw underneath the ads there's a genuine lady seeks a genuine gent. So there's obviously an amount of them. We'll, we'll check in with the Southern Star to see how many of those ads because the Ireland's own is great for them. But what I like about the Southern Star doing it, it's local people reading the paper. So, you know, there'll be local people hooking up with local people. You would like to think they'll be able to meet that way because date the, the, the online dating agencies are not for everyone. And I absolutely accept that. OK, some more of your calls coming in on the high-vis vests. And this is to do with the lady... I don't know if it's a lady or a gent, to be honest, because it doesn't say the person uh, complaining about the men, three men working sea scheme out on outside of Mill Street, doing some work on the side of the road. One only had a high vis vest on, text or contacted us to say an accident waiting to happen and was given out about it. Uh, the person complaining about the high vis vests, those guys are doing an excellent job, says Pat, keeping the town clean. If that person has nothing better to do than to complain about two of the three not wearing high-vis vests. Tell that person to go into Noel C. Duggan and buy a few vests and hand them out. Problem solved. <laughs> Says Pat. Maureen in Kanturk. If we are resorting to people giving out because people are not wearing high-vis vests while trying to do a bit of good and it's work that needs to be done for the community, what way are we going at all? Well done to those three men who are doing their bit and making the community and making their area nicer. And Greta on the changing of the mass times by the Kerry parishes and die. They, well, the Kerry bishop said they can do it. Some of the parishes are doing it so that it doesn't clash with this. It's seven o'clock, isn't it? Is the throw in for the All-Ireland football final. Greta says, I can't see anything wrong with what the priests in the Kerry parishes are doing. And secondly, priests live a very lonely life they might also be GAA fans. They might want to watch the mass match. So they won't want to be doing mass. So it suits them as well. Well done to all who changed the mass times. And I still can't find out if any parish in Dublin changed the mass time or not. I'll try and do a bit of snooping around this afternoon and I will let you know. OK, you can stop texting us on our McCroom Food Festival competition. Let me give you the answer first. Um, the sort of credit they're due, actually. If they're cooked beautifully, they are incredible. They're cheap. Eggs are one of the best forms of protein. There you go. It was eggs. I have to say, I was wrong. I would have gone for lentils. And I can see a lot of people have said lentils is the missing ingredients. Others are saying potatoes, chickpeas, because they're cheap as well. And they're a great form of protein uh, as well. But then eggs, 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 eggs. Lots of people getting it. Somebody else suggesting beans. Somebody else saying pigs. I don't know if you'd class pigs as a cheap ingredient. But anyway, lots of people are getting eggs. OK, so we asked, we set John Paul the task to go to all the people that got the correct answer right, put them into a hat and draw a winner. And he's done that for us. Thank you, John Paul. Fiona Healy in Mallow. Congratulations to Fiona, who correctly identified that eggs was the missing ingredient. Has one for herself, a Fuelon gift pack with limited edition jams, marmalades and relishes. Congratulations to Fiona. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll have another chef doing a cooking segment with the word bleeped out and you'll have a chance to ring in and win and don't forget on Friday we have our big prize which is an overnight stay at the Castle Hotel in McCroom for two people along with dinner and along with tickets to the Taste 
Trail, which will be happening in McCroom as part of their food festival. It is jam packed. It runs from the 19th through to the 22nd. And of course, you can join JP and the C103 Cork Today team on Friday the 20th from 10am broadcasting live from the Castle Hotel. And you can get further details on www.mccroomfoodfestival.com Laura Gelga, RC 103. Green How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Inin Dovanam Sadi. The Blue Grail got Grail Closet of East Davis College is Misha Abi Bernard. CK'd Asa 3 Kirkig. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Joe Heffernan joining us. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we've spoken in recent weeks about anxiety, and today we want to switch the focus and talk about stress. Uh, 
you know, you regularly hear people saying, oh my God, I'm so stressed. I'm leading such a stressful life. I'm having such a stressful day. We all go through life with a certain level of stress, don't we? We do. And like what will represent a motivation for one person can be debilitating for another. So that like um, it's very much an individual thing. As you say, we all um, we, we, we all can be stressed um, and a lot of stress can be good stress, you stress as against distress um, because, you know, uh, as I would have often said um, to you and the listeners down through the years, um, you know, I was to be here now um, at a certain time and I'm here and, you know, I had to dash around a small bit to make sure that I was here and, um, you know, that's a little bit of good stress because it means I'm on time. Um, now, if I was too laid back, um, you know... Uh, you mightn't show up at all. I mightn't show up at all. And, <laughs> and, 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 and that wouldn't help. And, and it's like, and you'll often hear people talk about this in the run-up to going away on a holiday. Yeah. The preparing to get ready and the packing and then you get to the airport and the stress levels and, and you'll hear people when they finally get in holidays going, oh, for God's sake, was it worth it all, all the stress? But, but again, it's just all part of it. It is. I'm laughing at the suitcase. Um, that's, a, that's a regular here. Of, um, have you anything put away, Joe? Um, uh, I, I will know uh, this afternoon. <laughs> Socks, underwear, yeah. Yeah, I've a few things thrown into the case, but yeah. So but you have to have the general. Do you have to have the gentle nagging from Mary on the side? Oh, definitely. The yeah. CEO has to kind of uh, <laughs> has to motivate me. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine who's actually away on holidays as we speak, and she she goes on holidays every year with her sister, and she's one of my friend is one of the very organised people. A week out, she'd have her case all packed, ready right. to go, and her sister literally is pulling things off the clothesline put it into the case <laughs> yeah. an hour before they're leaving and, and my friend gets stressed out worried about her sister because she's not so it's just yeah. people deal with it all in, in a different way yeah. so you talk about people's core beliefs and values I do well just for a moment then to kind of like what are the usual signs of stress well um, you know we can be tense we can have headaches one of the big ones I would say would be being easily irritated or agitated. You know, it's like as if we'll go back to airports. It's like as if you're trying to make a plane time and you have someone driving in front of you or maybe 10 cars and a tractor in front of you going at about 40 kilometers and um, that kind of feeling. Now, that would be pretty normal under those circumstances. But if that's the way all the time, kind of with the driving or whatever, um, that can be so stressful. Your sleep can be um, disrupted. Um, there can be a, a loss of appetite. The tummy can be upset. It can be difficult to concentrate. There can be racing thoughts. In other words, says the fella, you can be all over the place. So they'd be the things like that if 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 uh, there'd be very few people who would have all doors. But if you had some of doors with me, it's a bit of light headedness. I might get a, a slight feeling of being uh, ever so slightly unsure on the feet, maybe crossing the room or something like that, if I'm really stressed. stressed. And yeah. for me, it's my stomach. If, right. I, if I'm going through any stressful period, it'll be my stomach. I won't be able to eat. I'll have that knot 
in in my stomach. Yeah, where, where even the thought of food yeah. is uh, yeah. off. Forget it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, the, uh, as you said, uh, um, the, the kind of questions we could ask ourselves, like, is is my behaviour in harmony now with my beliefs and values? In other words, um, am I living my life according to what I believe in? Um, I was doing a little talk yesterday for the, a fantastic um, organisation, the Formoy Men's Club in... Um, Are they like a men's shed? Like a men's shed. Yeah. Um, but really highly organised, really very on the ball. And um, there were 50 people turned up now yesterday. Okay. And, you know, uh, but... Um, no, I've lost my train of thought. You were, you were something about the talk that the talk you were giving them was it? Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and I was admitting, yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a laugh. What it's like, I mean, you know, a bit of humour doesn't hurt. But I was saying that I can be a bit of a hypocrite because uh, while I can be extolling the virtues of uh, exercise <laughs> on C one or three with Patricia. Um, I might sit down and watch the telly for the afternoon. And not go outside the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're that kind of thing. Yeah. um, And, you know, that can kind of bug one then. It can upset one because you've the pull of, you know what you should do, but you're not doing it. And I think that causes stress. I think it's an awful lot. Well, it's beneficial in two ways. It's beneficial in its very self that you do the bit of walking uh, but also, it means that your, you know, your 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 belief and your behaviour are one and the same. So that kind of thing. Um, then, and to ask ourselves, like, what, what's what's helpful and important in my life right now? Would it be my spiritual life? Would would I find that um, helpful to me? My beliefs, um, my family, people in my life that I love, uh, my relationship. Of course, my health, uh, financial um, uh, issues, um, you know, it, it's uh, how many people are um, stressed um, with, uh, you know, uh, lots of debts. Um, we hear about it every single day, although we're hearing now that it's less than it was. Um, and we're hearing about, uh, you know, MABs and um uh, wonderful organisations yeah, and, 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 and someone listening to us is, is saying uh, Trish and Joe spare a thought for the stressed workers of Dawn Meats who have just been sent home indefinitely due to the ongoing uh, farmers picket outside the door uh, who will pay our bills so there's somebody yeah. and a, a situation outside of their control but bringing a huge amount of stress yeah, and I think that that thing in itself is very stressful, the outside of one's control. Yeah. Because you you feel that you are um, disempowered. Um, you're in a situation that you can do nothing about. Um, having said that, in solidarity too, um, you have the farmers who are saying that basically they're getting paid less than it's costing them to produce. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know... Um, you have Brexit, Mother of Divine. You know, I was up until nearly one o'clock this morning. Um, I, I, I'm finding that it it is, uh, <laughs> is nearly compulsive viewing at this stage. Um, it's I, almost I, become your soap opera. 
absolutely. But, um, yeah, and then, like, thinking about what do I want in life now? And I don't care if we're 80 or 20. Um, we, we can have dreams and ambitions of things that we want to do. Um, what makes me happy? Um, you know, what, what gives me the greatest sense of fulfillment in, in my life? And there can be so many things. I mean, it can be, it can be home. It can be uh, family. Uh, it can be one's work. Um, uh, you know, a uh, hobby. A hobby, absolutely, absolutely. A downhill push going from left to right um, uh, on the old golf course if it slips into the hole. Um, there's a great, there's a great sense of fulfilment there, Patricia. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and it's when you talk to people. I was at a funeral once of of an elderly man who had had a, um, a a great hobby in in horses. He loved absolutely loved and adored horses and carriages, and uh, and somebody actually at the funeral said that they envied him his passion and his hobby. Yes. Because even when he retired, he had this wonderful thing to turn to every day. Mm. Um, and for people who retire, it can be difficult if you don't have something to replace those hours in the day where you went to work. And to have a hobby or, or a passion is, is fantastic. Absolutely. And um, uh, psychologists refer to uh, the state as flow, F-L-O-W. Flow simply meaning that you are 100% engrossed in whatever it is that you're doing, whether it is gardening, whether it is um, the, the, the horse hobby with that man there, whether it is a game of golf, uh, whether it is um, uh, matches and GA, like you were talking about a while ago. And, um, you know, uh, once you're totally into something, uh, that's why I find that reading or crime thrillers and that, I, I, I'm always either at the beginning, the middle or the end of a book. Uh, and I mean always. Um, uh, I, I find that great. It's a distraction. Um, when you're wondering uh, who did it and, um, and, and uh, wondering about the next uh, move in the story, you know, I, I find that great. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and there's a new book out. It came out last night. It's the follow-on to The Handmaiden's Tale, The Testament. And there's yeah. a lot of people waiting for that book to come out. They've been waiting many years to yeah. find out what happens next. Maureen from Oi is getting stressed because she's been asked to go on a family holiday to Paris in November. Uh, it, they need to fly there. She doesn't mind the flying bit, but it's when the flight lands... And you know that period of time where you're waiting for the door to open and you disembark from the aeroplane? That's when she has a tendency to get into a bit of a panicked state. She starts to feel uneasy. She feels she's locked into the plane. And then she can feel almost feel a panic attack coming on. She's already stressing about it. Well, to, to tell you the truth, though, and not in any way uh, minimising um, the, the, the lady's feeling there. But, um, yeah, with me, it would be impatience. Um I hate it when some people in front of me will just stand in the middle of the aisle and the door is open, but no one is going anywhere. I don't like that. But yeah, well, that can be a little bit of claustrophobia. Um, you know, um, it's it, um, the, the, at least and thankfully that the, the flight is okay. Um, because, I mean, that's the long time. Whereas, I mean, uh, when the landing is completed and... Uh, uh, it's not a long time before the doors open, but I do understand it. Um, breathing, yeah. breathing would help. 
Breathing always helps. If you can breathe down to the tummy, hold the breath, and then gently exhale through in, in through the nose, out through the mouth, and, um, you know, just a little bit of self-talk. I'm fine. I'm safe. Nothing bad is happening. Uh, that kind of thing. That door is going to open very quickly. Absolutely. And can I say, if you're if you're you're probably flying into Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, which is such a busy uh, airport, those doors open very quickly because they need to get you off that plane to turn <laughs> that plane around. Yeah. So you're you're you have a very short delay in in waiting for the doors to open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um uh, 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 my my son and family now felt coming back. There was there's a stop off in Nassau coming from the Cayman Islands and you stay on the plane and it's about an hour. Some people are getting off because Nassau is their destination. Some people are getting on because they are going forward from Nassau. But the hour turned into two mm. and like sitting on the tarmac um for two hours. Yeah, no, that can be really stressful. Um, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. won't happen. That won't no, happen to Joan. That won't happen to Joan. You'll be a, no. a Marie and you'll have a wonderful holiday and family holiday and it's to, go to, it's to go to Disneyland in Paris. You'll have a ball, Marie. Please do not be turned off going. Just go and uh, enjoy uh, yourself. Uh, okay. Um, so it's important just to remind yourself what makes you happy and what gives you a sense of fulfilment uh, in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of, um, to get the old good feeling from that. Um, uh, to my mind, now that would that would uh, tie in perfectly with gratitude. I I think it's a word that isn't mentioned half enough. That you know the things that we can be grateful for doesn't have to be a big deal. Every night when I lie into bed, I I I'm comfortable, thank God. And um, you know, it the bed is nice and warm. Uh, whatever weather is outside is outside. Um, you know, there's a roof over uh, our heads. Thank God. Um, you know, it's there's an awful lot to be thankful for. There's a fine meal going to be on the table. And the things that we take for granted, I think, um, we we really need to reflect on that. Um, when we... I, I work a lot with asylum seekers. Um when when I hear the stories, when I see the pictures on the television, um, you know, I realise that um, whatever cribs we have um, ab- about um, this, that and the other thing with politics and all this kind of thing, you know, we live in a very safe, yeah. and we hope it stays that way, yeah, absolutely. A, a, a very safe and... and uh, and, and good country. Okay, so Angela's saying she gets the very same way as Marie on the plane, but with Angela, it's uh, she doesn't like going into lifts. That's quite a ah, common yeah. phobia ah, yeah. for yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah, um, and that's a fear of the feeling more so than a fear of the lift getting brought down or anything. Um, that 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 probably brings back an old um, uh, memory. I've uh, been trapped somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, probably, probably. And um, Eileen said, I agree with uh, Joe. Um, I can feel very stressed at the moment. I'm starting to work part time because I'm in my 60s. So I'm cutting back on the working hours, but I also help to 
look after my grandchildren in the afternoon. So it can be tough juggling both work and the children. But children. But I agree with Joe. Uh, once everyone's gone home, myself and my husband, once we've had our tea, I go into the sitting room, I watch a bit of TV. It might be some of the soaps or Midsummer Murders. And it just distracts you for the hour or so. I would encourage people to do that. It's just, it's a bit like me time, isn't it? That's, Absolutely. That's, that's what the key is. Absolutely. One of the things in the stress test that we did a long time ago, and now we might do it again, um, one of the things, one of the questions that could be ticked or not ticked would be, I do something for fun at least once a week. Now, if a person likes, they're down to Nabby, which I know will appeal to yourself. I do. Yeah. Big fan can't stay. Full film coming out. On the 13th. There you Friday. Are. Yep. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> whether it is down to Nabby or whether it is Fair City or whether it is um, a film or a series or whatever. Yeah, that's a bit of fun. And um, I always encourage people to say, I don't really do much for fun during the week. It doesn't have to be going to a carnival. Yeah. It can be something quite small. Yeah. Yeah. And other, for other people then that do go out and about, the men's sheds that we mentioned there or the ICA for the ladies, our retirement clubs. You know, there's a lot going on that people, if they want to get involved with, they can. Absolutely. I mean, for the men's side of things, yesterday to me was an inspiration. And uh, Neil O'Flynn, the chairperson, asked me to go down some time ago. And um, I'm delighted that I did. And, um, you know, and I met many, many, many old friends. And, um, uh, you know, uh, there was a great sense of belonging there for everyone. And, um, I mean, a sense of belonging is one of the five building blocks of confidence and our self-esteem. We all need to belong. Yeah. We all need yeah. to belong. OK, we leave it there. Uh, Joe, thank you for that. Have a lovely week. And, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Boho Bui. His number is 029-766-17. And I can see a couple of people uh, commenting when I mentioned about what happened with the break-in at the charity in Limerick, the Share a Dream. Uh, foundations just uh, shocking somebody says I heard you talk about the scumbags breaking into that uh, charity share a dream premises in Limerick it's absolutely sickening if planners insured residential premises were alongside businesses business premises it might help reduce such criminal activity as well as generating some life in cities and towns because morals are lacking as well as compassion for uh, others uh, well I don't know if I still have the piece there in front of me because what they they, ha- they had it all on uh, CCTV. Every p- bit of it was on uh, CCTV. They had good CCTV. Bless their hearts. They were. They did their best for putting security into the place. And the CCTV clearly shows these guys set out to make sure that nobody would be able to work out who they were. They were wearing boiler suits. They had masks on, and they even had gloves on. I mean, they were. Uh, what you would call professional criminals, if you could call it that, but scumbags is uh, is a word I could think of a lot stronger words as well. But we wouldn't be allowed to use them on the radio, so I I won't uh, use it. Okay, but thank you, thank you to everybody texting in to the program uh, today. Still seeing commentary coming in on the high vis vest and the number of people that are upset about the person who was given out about the callers, given out about the workers who were working so hard to do their bit. Uh, to try to it's under it's a C scheme in Mitchellstown people are saying we shouldn't be giving out about them without their high-vis vests they're doing fantastic work but somebody does say well that man uh, say will do to the men if the wife or son or daughter knocked one of the men down because 
they are not wearing a jacket they should be wearing jackets it is the law okay let me leave it there thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick is with you for the afternoon and we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on to the night Patricia Messenger good afternoon The Breakfast Show in Cork that's paid out thousands of euro on celebrity seas Are you serious? Oh my God. <laughs> is here weekdays 6 to 10. Get the latest news for Cork, brilliant music, huge cash giveaways and everything you need to start off your day. I love the show, Simon. Click the kettle on, pour yourself a hot cuppa and join me from 6am weekdays. C103. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.